I don't know if you uh, feel uh, the way I feel when we watch stories like that. I mean, I'm looking at Phil, who's directly in front of me. Uh, his strength is is amazing. Um, and so when I called him uh, while I was out of town, I said, hey, Phil, we got a plan. And I want to show your story. It wasn't until the last service that I caught some. I watched all of our stories over, and I felt that Phil's was fitting. But after the week that I've had, I felt it was extremely fitting. Um, I was out of town, and for the time that I was gone, uh, I received four very tough phone calls while I was gone. Um, I learned that somebody in our church dealt with suicide. Someone else actually took their life. We had a young adult leader who died suddenly um, last Saturday, previous Saturday. We had a mother who just recently started attending our church who um, her six-month-old baby passed from SIDS. And then right before I walk in today to preach the first service, I learned of a gentleman who first came on Easter Sunday, gave his life to Jesus on Easter Sunday. I had the opportunity to baptize him, and he just recently passed this week. I have been at a loss. So I know we do summer shorts and we, we try to be creative and we, you know, we try to keep it light and we try to, you know, be fun and all that stuff. And, and that's cool. But what I'm learning is there are a lot of people in our church who are hurting right now. As I began to receive call after call while I was away, I remember walking away from the table with my family. I just said, God, are you kidding me? Because, see, people call and they reach out to me because I'm the pastor and they say, hey, give me the answers. Give me the things that's going to make me feel good. And can I be honest with you? I had nothing. What do we say? The joy of the Lord is my strength when your six-month-old is gone. What do you say? to a young adult leader who had just called you earlier in the week and said, my faith is waning for him to get a call two days later that his friend is gone all of a sudden. See, when we made this series, laid it out, I, I, had, a, I had an idea, summer shorts. Ooh, we're going to keep it light. You know, we're going to have our knees out and all that stuff. Ooh. And so I had, had a creative way of preaching one of the shortest scriptures in the Bible. I could creatively make the word do what I wanted to do. But at that moment, I had nothing for myself. But as I began to look at this one scripture, it gave me the answer that I needed for me. Scripture is John eleven thirty five. Two words, Jesus wept.
Because at those moments when I did not have any words and I did not know what I could say, to know that Jesus wept in that moment meant it was okay for me to sit and weep with them too. The, the thing about it is, I wish I could say, the joy of the Lord is your strength or some other cliched thing that we use the wrong way around church. But sometimes all my Savior could do was sit and weep with them. I had to learn to do the same thing. God, I come to you right now. God, I ask that you would guard my heart, guard my mind. Holy Spirit, you say what needs to be said. You do what needs to be done. God, I'm relying totally on you. Don't just speak through me. God, continue to speak to me. For every heart that is heavy. Lord, let us be a source of strength, a source of help, but a source of hope. God, we'll be careful to give you all the praise. We'll give you all the glory. We'll give you all the honor. It's in Christ's name I pray. Everyone agrees. Said, Amen. I received a phone call from a pastor friend of mine. And he says, uh, I have a request to make of you. My father has just entered hospice. And he has requested that you would come and preach his funeral. And I said, man, your, your dad has been a blessing to me. And it would be an honor to preach his funeral. I said, but I got to ask a question. You're the pastor of the church. Why wouldn't he have you preach his funeral? He's been smart and a little bit of a jerk. Well, you want the first choice. I said, uh, what, what do you mean? He said, well, Trey, if I can be honest with you. I don't think I have the strength nor the faith to get through his funeral. As we began to talk, one of the things that I do remember, his, his father's old school. His father had been preaching for years. And he was like, men don't cry. We're men. He says, I would disappoint my dad because I don't know if I could handle it. One of the reasons my dad wants you to come is because he's afraid that I'm going to show weakness on this platform. And I completely understood everything he was saying at that moment. See, here's where I grew up. I've been in church a long time. And one of the things that we have done in church is we have tried to put an attitude and a source of behavior to our faith. See, if you have faith, you rejoice always. If you have faith, you say, I'm smiling no matter what. If you have faith, you don't cry because the joy of the Lord is your strength. To not have joy means you must be weak. We have said this junk for so long in church that we have created an idea that is messing people up, that is leaving them unfulfilled in their life and a, a, not a way to move forward in their growth in the kingdom of God. We assume 
that if I'm hurting, then something must be wrong with me. If, if I'm crying, I must not have enough faith. What am I doing wrong? Where do I get to this destination of joy that overflows and is everlasting? Because that's what some of us think true faith is. You ever heard somebody say faith over feelings? So I have so many, so much faith that I have no feelings. As if me serving God has made me a robot and immune to everything. See, here's what I've had to learn. Faith is not a tool to eliminate or extinguish our feelings or emotions. Faith is the tool to manage the hurt and the emotions. See, this idea that I'm so in love with God means that I'm not going to have any pains. I'm so in love with God that I'm not going to have any hurts has never been promised, it's been a bad sales tactic, and it's made a lot of people lose hope and faith because they said, that's not what I see, that's not what I experienced, and I'm still hurting. I grew up in this culture where you couldn't even be honest about what you were dealing with. You could get a bad notice from the doctor, I'm healed. How you doing? I'm blessed of the Lord and highly favored. No, you're not. But yet, we have a faith that will make us fake. So the truth of the matter is, Jesus said he came for those who know they need to be healed. But if I'm so busy being fake and I can't acknowledge that I'm broken and I need healing, I will never get to that place. See, this idea that I lack faith, so I'm hurting, is asinine, and it is stupid, and it is a trick from the enemy to keep us stunted in our growth. Scripture says it this way. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. So the idea that where the brokenhearted is is where God hangs out should give me a little bit of peace because that means that he is still drawing close to me, not that I don't have enough faith. See, John eleven thirty five, the scripture says, Jesus wept. If you don't know the whole context of John 11, the scripture says that Jesus has a friend by the name of Lazarus. And they send word to Jesus. They say, the one you love is sick. Now, if you read the whole text, they didn't say, the one you love is sick. Will you please come and help? They assume, if you love me, you're going to show up. And it said that Jesus stayed where he was at for more days. Jesus, the one you love has a need and you didn't move. I don't know about anyone here, but I found myself in some places where I'm like, Jesus, I need you to come towards me. And I feel like he hasn't moved my direction. But then it says that Jesus eventually shows up after he dies. 
And we all, for the most part around church, know how the story ended. Jesus says, roll away the stone. Lazarus comes forth. Lazarus lives again. That's how the story ends. But for some of us, I'm stuck in the middle part. I asked you to come. You don't show up till it's too late. And not only that, John eleven thirty five. 35, after Jesus shows up, it says that Jesus wept. I'm just being honest here. Jesus, you could have kept your tears if you had it came quicker. None of us would be crying. Because in my hurt and in my emotion, Jesus, where were you? And now you crying? I had to look at this because I'm thinking like, hold up. You know, you knew what was going to happen. You knew what your plan was. So why are you crying, Jesus? Even deeper than that, you're the son of God. You know what the plan is. Why are you crying, Jesus? How, how can you even relate to this, O King of Kings and Lord of Lords? See, one of the things is we have to understand that who Jesus was is still in a human nature who has human issues, who has human feelings, who had human problems, just like you and I. He just dealt with them differently. Scripture says he was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. A man of sorrows acquainted with the deepest grief. So what I realized in that moment as I'm reading this, that Jesus, full of faith, full of power, still cried. See, the presence of pain is not the absence of faith. In fact, a lot of times, that's where our faith has to grow is in our pains. Jesus, though he is the son of God, still understands grief. He understands pains. He understands hurts. He understands rejections. He just chooses to deal with it differently. But you know what Jesus does not do? Deny that it even exists. See, the thing about it, when I'm looking at this story, I'm like, Jesus, if you had just showed up, we may not have a story, but they don't have the pain. A couple of weeks ago, I said this and people kept sending it to me, but it's, it still rings true. I don't know about you. But sometimes I still feel like being faithful isn't being fruitful. This is Lazarus. He's got two sisters, Mary, Martha. They hanging out with Jesus. Jesus coming to their house, eating up their food, all that type of stuff. The one you love is sick. So if that's what we know, then why don't you move and do what I need you to do? If you love me, you'll do what I want. But what I had to understand is, as Phil said so eloquently in his video, 
God gave the answer. And sometimes the answer is no. Apostle Paul says it this way. Three different times I begged the Lord, begged the Lord to take it away. The previous verse, he says that he has a tormentor. Three times I've asked the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. Let me stop there. He said, my grace is all you need. You notice what Jesus didn't hear, what God did not tell the Apostle Paul? Yes. But Paul keeps going. He says, so now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults and the hardships and the persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. See, we have an issue when it comes to this whole weak versus strong. The last thing we ever want to be considered is weak. The last thing we ever want to admit is that we have a weakness. That's why some of us, notice the pronoun I'm using, us. We work so hard to camouflage and hide what we refuse to address. I don't want y'all to see this. I don't want y'all to know I'm weak. Let me ask you a question. Do you want to stay weak or do you want to get healed? Because until we acknowledge where we are weak, God cannot be strong. The idea that I need help, it may make me look bad in front of man like you're a pastor. You're supposed to be past that. I'm glad you feel that way, but I'm not trying to please you. I need God in this one. God, I can't get this. God, I cannot handle this. I am not doing too well here. Let me be honest with you so that I can get whole in you. But what I loved about this story, Jesus shows up late. And the scripture says there's two sisters, Martha, Mary. When Jesus gets near, scripture tells us that Martha goes out to meet Jesus, but that Mary stayed in the house. See, I don't know. Y'all probably haven't done this. This is just me. Sometimes my disappointment with Jesus makes me want to put distance from him. The same opportunity to encounter Jesus was for both of them. Martha goes out, Mary stays in. See, this is where we get into trouble. When my emotions override my ability to see Jesus for who he is, now they are controlling me and leading me. See, sometimes I have found myself as getting stuck on Jesus being my fixer and not my savior. So as long as he's fixing my stuff, I'm good with him. But the moment he doesn't do what I want him to do, I'm going to put him in time out. How stupid of me to even assume something like that. He still gives me the opportunity to move towards him. But my distance is based out of disappointment. 
The enemy will have me so convinced that I'm let down that he will destroy me because I'm disconnected. But this is what I loved about it. Both sisters eventually encounter Jesus and they give Jesus the same speech. Lord, if only you had been here to die. Think about this. They come at Jesus. I don't know if they went, oh, blessed Savior, if you had shown up, oh, great one. No, if you had done what I needed, he wouldn't have died. If you had answered my prayer, my marriage wouldn't be where it's at. If you had came through when I was going through that financial situation, I wouldn't be struggling in this court case. But still, God, I trust you. She says, but even now, where is now? When my brother's still dead? Where is now? When I don't know where the light bill is going to get paid? Where is now? When I can't seem to get two and two to work together to make ends meet? Where is now? When me and my spouse are not getting along? Where is your now at right at this point? If we understand that Jesus didn't say, oh, ye of little faith, she was honest. She exposed her hurt and it moved the Savior. He didn't chastise her. Jesus heard and it moved him to weeping. And some of us we have to get to that even now point. That even when I don't understand why, you're still God. And sometimes I'm so busy trying to come up with the answers that I don't even do what Jesus did in that moment. Before he raised anyone from the dead, he wept with them this past week I told you about everything that was going on I actually was sitting in a funeral this past Thursday for one of our young adult leaders and as I'm sitting there the mother of this young man is to the left of me and you could just hear her wailing and crying and I remember putting my head down I'm like God what do I do in this moment what, what, where do we go with this you know we say stuff sometimes in church that everything happens for a reason that's not true some things they have no rhyme they have no reason but God says he can make all things work to the good. But he didn't say all things would be good. And as I sat there, I'm trying to be like, get your stuff together, Detroit. Come on, get your stuff together. Come on. And I hear the stories and everything. I literally, my eyes just start to water. 
up. But then I saw something. There's a young lady in our church named Rebecca. And 